Hello and welcome to ISE Season 3, Enablement History, broadcasting from OSC, the OrchestrateSales.com property. Welcome to the Inside Sales Enablement Podcast. Where has the profession been? Where is it now? And where is it heading? What does it mean to you, your company, other functions, the market? Find out here. The Inside Sales Enablement Podcast starts now. Hello and welcome to Inside Sales Enablement Season 3, where we take a hop, a leap, right, Gail? Leap? Oh, we're jumping. (laughs) Into the enablement time machine and take a look back with those who had a role in or contribution to enablement history. Definitely got one here today. Pause in the present to hit a few modern themes, and then shift our focus to the future and what it may bring for enablement teams. So on today's edition, we got Gail here. I've had the pleasure of introducing Gail. And is it Ban? I It's Ban. Like, it's been fun Bean. being here. Oh, I'll never forget that's it. Right. It's fun that, being here. Yes. That I love it. So she's currently a member. Current. There's the present of the executive board of the sales, oh wait, Revenue Enablement Society, we'll get to that, who has also recently accepted a new corporate post as the Director of Revenue Enablement at Live Person. And she is all kinds of live. And we need more live people in this AI world. I can't wait to hear hear more about what's actually done there, but I think it's fighting the, the, for for the human still somewhere in the middle of all of this. (laughs) So she recently bravely pulled off an SES experience, which it was still called at the time. So if I call it something different, it'll confuse me. In 2023 experience in San Diego, what specifically? A presentation called The Meteoric Rise and Crashing Reset of Sales Enablement. A bold title to be sure. It was one of the major things I was looking forward to. And she delivered, of course, with fine colors. It was a presentation that was brilliantly delivered in the past and the present and a little bit of the future, sharing some baseline elements and guidelines for how the profession can shine going forward. So who better to have in the enablement time machine? Welcome to the, the show, Gail. I've shared my take and then some. Would love to hear a quick few thoughts on your worldview, maybe a little bit about that new gig, and then we'll dive into a few questions. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. I'm so glad to be here. And yeah, we were really excited with the outcome from the Sales Enablement Society Conference. We do one major conference a year, and it's a great production. It's an opportunity for people to come together and really meet their heroes and the up-and-coming folks and really connect deeply. And we sold out the event again this year, which was actually kind of a shock. We were surprised because it's been a really rough year. And we have a lot of people that had become unemployed, had been laid off or looking for their new gig. We did offer some great incentive pricing for people to keep them uh, able to come to the event. And that's something we want to be able to continue in the future. And at the event, we made the major announcement that the Sales Enablement Society is evolving to the Revenue Enablement Society. And we feel really strongly about this. This is not a semantics change. This isn't something small. This is a real recognition that our profession is evolving dramatically and that what we started out doing, growing out of the needs of typical sales training, has really become so much more. 
sales enablement, becoming revenue enablement is about a recognition that we have a much bigger footprint, that we're empowering not just sellers, but customer success, solution consultants, marketing, product marketing. We really are that connective tissue to the sales organization. We speak sales. I really say that a lot and it's totally true. And there's a, that recognition that this profession is so critical. I think especially after so many layoffs this year, we have organizations like the one I've just joined that killed their entire enablement team off earlier this year and then really recognized there's a gap here. We really need to bring this function back and bring it back strategically. And so while the team was pretty big earlier this year, it's rebuilding myself, one direct report, looking to kind of build it up slowly and bring it back in as a function that is really focused on the core metrics that drive revenue. And that's, again, what brought, comes right back to revenue enablement being what we are and who we what we do, who we are, and how our outcomes are measured. Love it, Gail. So that's a great look at the present and a little peek into the future. Can we hop in the way back machine for a minute? Sure. All right. So sales enablement. Remember when we used to call it that? It's a while ago now. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, I'm curious, when you first heard the word sales enablement, what was that? You know, was it, hey, here's a new thing or was it a, ooh, that's what I do? Or what was your relationship to those words when you first heard them? Such a funny uh, question. Thank you for asking. I was that's a seller and then I was a sales leader for a long time. I was a director and then a VP of sales. And then I took an opportunity to go out on my own for three years as a consultant, as a VP of sales for hire. So I would come in and work with companies on sales-related projects. Either they didn't have sales leadership, they were in between, maybe it was a smaller org. I also volunteered with a lot of startups during that time. That's really what led me into SaaS. And those startups had come up with a great product, but they didn't know how to monetize it. They didn't know how to market it. They didn't know how to sell it. They didn't know how to create a value proposition. And in doing that work, what I was doing was sales enablement. We just didn't call it that. And as I came out of those three years of being a consultant, and I realized I really wanted to be back on staff, I wanted to be part of a team again, that's right around the time that sales enablement as a discussion and as a title was rising. And my first job in enablement, I actually didn't have that title. I was more of a revenue operations type title. But as the profession evolved and as I evolved and I had the opportunity to join the team at PandaDoc, I came in in sales enablement. And at that point, really started to understand, understood having, you know, spent some time within the community, all of the things that sales enablement encompassed. And so for me, it was a little bit of how have I already been doing this kind of naturally coming at it as a sales leader and as a trainer, and then starting to realize the vast unknown that I hadn't even thought about that really encompasses everything that is revenue enablement. So it sounds, yeah, I, I don't, I, I haven't heard anyone, well, actually maybe Paul went, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do this thing called sales enablement. And then he Googled it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I, I love that one. My, my was a little bit more like yours, like, oh, what I do is a thing, you yeah. know? Yeah. It was just, most of it was made up on the back of a napkin at some point, literally. Great story. Thanks, Gail. What about the sales at the time it was called that sales enablement society? Um, how, when, where does the society itself come into play in your timeline and professional journey? 
Great question. So I have a background in trade shows and events. That's where I grew up. I cut my teeth. And and once I started working in SAS, I, I missed the events. Like I, I, I missed that. Um, and doing one RKO a year for a company just wasn't enough. And so I had reached out to the Sales Enablement Society and said, hey, I've got this events background. Can I volunteer to work on the conference? And they said, heck yeah. So the first year I just volunteered on the conference um, and I was a contributor. And the second year I got to take over as the conference chair. And then I was actually put on the board and was a conference chair again. But let's me really bring my passion for face-to-face -face marketing and the power of conferences and the power of connecting into an organization that I feel so strongly brings so much value to members. One of the things I love about sales enablement is it's still a niche profession. There's not a lot of us. We're still figuring a lot of stuff out. And so you have this community of people who are incredibly brave, incredibly creative, incredibly scrappy, and perfectly happy to show you what they're doing, share their frameworks, share their screen on their high spot instance. Everything that they do in this community, people are willing to share. We give it away for free because it comes back to us. And whether that's through the Revenue Enablement Society, through local chapters where you get a chance to meet and really grow your organizations locally. And I know Eric's really passionate about that, working in the Atlanta chapter, and I am with Chicago as well. Um, whether it's being on Slack and we're partners with the Sales Enablement Squad that has built this great 3,000-person um, Slack channel, those are ways that our members are connecting on a regular basis and just continually asking help. I, where do I go from this? When so much of what I have learned, I have learned by going on these Slack channels. I'll see somebody post something interesting and I'll just Slack them. Hey, can you give me 10 minutes to explain this to me? That's how I started. I built my network. I got on calls, especially during COVID. I had very little else to do for 10 months when I was furloughed. And I just got on calls with people and said, show me how you do this and talk to me about this. And I didn't take a passive approach of just reading what was out there. I went out to really connect with people. And that has made all the difference in not just building a network, but really building a community. I love it. The great Oz is behind the curtain. <laughs> That's yeah. right. We've got her live here on the show. So yeah. congrats on a sellout and just an amazing, amazing Thanks. time. The community connections. I was really proud of it. I was really proud of the content, uh, especially with some great speakers. We make a commitment every year that at least 10% of our speakers will be first time speakers. So hmm. while we love hearing from voices that, that are uh, anchors in the space, we also want to hear from new speakers. And we had a couple great new speakers this year. Um, this was absolutely a team effort. I mean, we had a great group of volunteers who give up their time. Um, myself, Mary Beth Hannifer, who worked tirelessly, and then an amazing production company that I also work with on my scos. I'm just a big fan of their level of professionalism. So we were able to really bring it together with that, that great team. I want to go into the present and future, but before we do that, you know, being enablement history nerd that I am, I got a little bit of a passion for the founding, specifically the founding positions and the founding principles, the framework that they originally used. Does any of that have any meaning to you? You know what it does? And one of the things I love about being on the board is that I'm on the board with Siobhan Thatcher and Paul Butterfield and Bill Ball. And I've had the opportunity to also reach out and connect with some of what I call the OGs in the space and understand nice. uh, where we come from. 
my passion getting on the board was con to connect with where the, the world is going. And that's why I'm so passionate about working with the enablement squad. It's why I'm so passionate about the chapter strategies because that's the boots on the ground. For a little while, sales enablement society was looked at as a little bit clicky and new people weren't as comfortable. And I want to make sure people feel really comfortable. We had a ton of first time visitors this year. I want people to come in and understand that there's a place for them, whether they've been in enablement for 10 years or 10 months. And honestly, the people that have been it for 10 years, that's a really long time in a very new profession. They, yeah. come with, they come in with the attitude, I have something to learn. I want to grow with that community. This isn't stodgy. Even though it's a sales enablement society is kind of a stodgy name, we're not stodgy. We're really looking to bridge to that future and able to bring together people who are part of the foundation to with people who are just new and learning it. That's a huge part of that building this community that's so important to me. I knew I was not going to be able to keep you in the past for long. So <laughs> let's just go there. We'll go semi-present and future. How about that? Awesome. So, uh, I'd love to know your experience at the experience, <laughs> announcing, delivering, and receiving reactions from, first, your presentation, the meteoric rise and crashing reset of sales enablement. I was like, how's she going to pull this off? Tell us a little bit more. Is there any context maybe that's happened since then or you haven't shared that we can have exclusivity to here on the show? Looking back, it's an interesting story. There was a day in February. There had been so many layoff announcements on my LinkedIn. I actually got to the point I took LinkedIn off of my phone because it was just depressing me. I was getting mm. really, continually just really, really upset. I had set my hashtag for the year around the idea of anchor that we needed to be able to be an anchor to our community. There was so much talk and enablement about how, well, we have to be able to continue to prove value and this, that, and the other. But what was happening to our community wasn't about enablers not showing value. It wasn't about us not doing a good enough job at our job. It was very reactionary. It was our CROs not, and CEOs not understanding the value of enablement going from a mentality of growth at all costs to a mentality of profitability at all costs. And that meant they had to cut anything that didn't directly lead to profitability, which meant cutting enablement because enablement adds to the cost of sale. And I felt so strongly, I needed to tell all of the enablers in my community, like, it's not you, you didn't screw up. Don't beat yourself up. We are a product in these layoffs of a disconnect between what's really happening in the world and what our leaders think is happening. And yes, we have to change some of our behavior. And yes, we have to stop the madness of some of the, the vanity metrics. And yes, we have to make sure that we are continually providing value, but we also have to be kind to ourselves. And so the title and the, the conversation around this presentation started in my head around February, I actually sketched it out in February, knowing that this was something I wanted to talk about. I put a lot of LinkedIn posts um, up until the conference kind of hinting at that this title and this idea that this growth of enablement and this crash was not just because of our performance and that we had to be able to own the parts of it that we didn't do well enough we needed to understand how to better build a bridge to our CROs. And then we needed to understand how do we go forward from here, right? Because the profession is already seeing a pick back up. We're already seeing numbers coming back. The jobs post that we put out every week is getting longer and longer. Paul Butterfield hosts it. 
He's had to split it multiple times. So the traction is good, but I also wanted us to learn, like, to your point on history, we had to learn from our history. We had to learn from what we didn't do right leading up until the end of last year, early this year, so that as we build forward, we build sustainable programs. And that's what I wanted to talk about in the presentation. And you nailed it. And the other thing that that's kind of a past and present, and you alluded to the future, but there were so many um, positive messages, but were there a few that were favorites? Because I, I know the response when I was in the room. For those who weren't in the room, I started out the presentation by just saying, let's put our hands up, put your right hand in the air. If you know somebody in sales enablement that's been laid off this year. And, and uh, every hand in the room goes up. Then what I did is ran around the room and gave everyone high fives. And I said, take a deep breath. We, we need to own this moment. We have to own that, that this is where we are. And, and it's been a really rough year and we're not wired to work this way. We're not wired to get up every day and wonder, is it today the day I'm being laid off? And I had so many conversations and so many Slack messages from people who said, tomorrow's going to be my day. I just know it. You know, and sometimes they were right and sometimes they weren't, but living with that level of fear has been really hard. So for me, taking a moment, take a beat to really acknowledge that and then be willing to say, listen, it isn't you and here's how we're going to build forward. And so in the presentation, I really talked about how we got where we are. You know, I kind of started out with this idea of how did we get here and the history of enablement and why it is that we've risen, not just as a tactical function of L&D, but as a strategic function. I talked a little bit about how that we are cost part of the cost of sale and how that has some advantages, right? It, it helps us really get the, the buy-in from sales leadership because our win is their win. We cost them money, we factor in, but it also means we're on the chopping block. And we also have to own the fact that correlation is not causation. It's very hard for us to prove direct ROI. We have to also own that and be willing to understand the metrics that we provide need to be reasonable, whether we're providing one key metric or 10 key metrics, but we need to make sure that they're going to resonate with our leaders. In the, in the end, I really talked about what do we, how do we build forward from here, whether it's making sure that we're working on outcome-driven enablement, so making sure that our outcomes are really keyed into everything that we're doing, making sure that we're looking at how are the different ways that our learners are going to experience experience what we're enabling them on. I think we have to be really cognizant and Whitney Seek talks about this so much and I love her about the mental load of what we're asking our sellers and our sales leaders to do and making sure that what we are doing is absorbable and actionable and that we have to continue to be an anchor for our community, that this idea of community of collaboration is something so important and it is what will get us through to the next evolution, to the to becoming the strongest revenue enablement teams that we can. I loved how you gave us some great options that are very actionable and tangible for enablement professionals to bring back either to their existing companies or to their potential employers or to even go create their own jobs. You might've let me go, or you might've let someone else go, or you might've never had this function and you're missing out. Others that that pop up, <laughs> this one's so funny. And this is this idea of Ninja is one of my favorites. This idea is like, sometimes enablement can be a random act of enablement. I know people hate that, but it can be a small Ninja strike, get quick wins, make sellers feel like, oh yeah, that was really a value. You know, this right. idea we got to be scrappy, like the, the days of, 
really big enablement teams probably gone for a while. We're going to need to be scrappy. And that means we have to count on each other. It means we have to bring in freelancers. There's some great people freelancing in the space now, and they're adding amazing value. Um, and so really just thinking about building our teams a little differently too. If you are strategically dropping in and taking out a target, that's not a random act. That is a surgical specific, I'm going to yeah. get scrappy and throw on my ninja outfit and go take out this thing that's going to grow. There's a, you know, there's a germ in the spot and I need to kill it. I've actually volunteered a cup to a couple of the revenue enablement society chapters to come virtually and deliver this as well, because we only had 200 and something enablers at the conference and there are thousands. We want to be able to provide that value to them as well. We aren't at a point as a society where we have the kind of budget that lets us record every session. It's just not cost effective for us yet. Yeah. We also know that coming to the conference is a privilege. It's expensive. Not every org or every person can afford it. And so we do want to be able to share that again through the chapters, through some of the virtual events so that we can make sure that our, our community is as strong as possible. Thank you for that and, and for being who you are, Gail. It's Thank you. awesome. Back to the experience as a whole, another pretty interesting thing happened that you alluded to. Each of the board members for this announcement stood up and shared their insights I love how you made good on it's the enablement evolution. And it's like the Cracker Jack prize was, no, we weren't kidding. We're even changing the name. Like this is, this is for real. You guys are a part of history right now, right? Yeah, that's so right. I love how each board member shared their insights and their commitment to the move from a word to a word. And that meant much more than that. So behind the curtain, just a few questions to throw out there. I'd love to hear a little bit more. That's a big decision. And I know a little bit about it. I know you didn't make it overnight, but what was it like to be a part of that process and maybe a little bit about the process itself? It's an interesting kind of question because a lot of the discussion actually started before I joined the board. This was already a conversation that was in place that really came out of a SWOT analysis the board had done late last year and understanding what is our space? What is our, where do we play? There are competitors in the sales enablement world. We're the only nonprofit. What is, what's the core part of our message? And being member driven is something that is incredibly important to us. We, everybody on the board is an active participant in sales enablement. We're doing this job. We're not getting paid to sell it to you. We are doing it every day. And so this conversation about revenue enablement really came from a realization as we talked as a board of how wide our jobs are, how different they are, what the flavors of enablement mean now, and that the original charter and the original 107 people that came together built a great foundation, but it was time to evolve that because our house had gotten bigger. We had to add that addition and that addition needed to be more inclusive and using that inclusive language and really specific language about revenue enablement became a rallying cry. So in part, we felt like we were meeting the moment, like we were, this was already happening without us. We're not telling the community anything that we believed that they needed to change. It had already been changed and changing. So it was an opportunity to really acknowledge that. And at the same time, it was a really good opportunity for us to evolve as well, to be able to restate what is our mission? Why are we doing this? What space do we occupy in a space with Slack channels and with other associations and with other live events? What do we do that's really unique to the Revenue Enablement Society? And what do we want that to mean going forward? And the exercise of everyone on the board speaking really came 
from a couple of meetings where we had, we talked about what do we want the big final reveal to mean? Is it a video? Is it some great three-dimensional letters? Is it uh, some flashing lights? We don't have budget for any of that. So now we gotta be scrappy. <laughs> we wanted to be authentic. And what we came up with was very authentic. It was all of these members talking about why this was so important to them. You know, as a board, we are here to represent the community. We want to be a voice for the community. We want to listen to the community. And it was an opportunity for each of the board members to talk about why it mattered to them. It was so authentic. I just was so proud of how it came together. And I was still surprised there were people in the room that were shocked by the announcement. I thought we telescoped it for the, the all three days that people were going to be like, well, yeah. But no, there were still some shocks in the audience. People were were excited. They were clapping. They were cheering. And so I think that moment with our audience there really validated that we were making the right decision at the right time and that our audience was hungry for it. They wanted this, this next layer of evolution of being able to come back to their organizations and talk about my job is not sales enablement. My job really is revenue enablement because I do what I do is broader. And to have that conversation, Del Nakai wrote a great LinkedIn post about that. Have, how do you have that conversation with your organization? How do you talk about what you're doing? And if it's more limited to sales enablement, how do you evolve it so that you have a purview that adds the most impact to the bottom line revenue? That's a big part of this. And long-term, we want to grow revenue enablement society where we have content for our CSM enablement managers, our partner enablement managers. They're doing tangential, but similar, but different things. And so being able to weave together the ideas of those communities, incredibly helpful. One of the best enablers I know is on the CS side. And I love brainstorming with her because mm. she brings different ideas and different ways of doing it for her audience that I can adapt and adopt and the same thing. So making our community more inclusive is just an opportunity for us to get more, better, smarter, interesting ideas and meet great people that are doing it a little bit different than you might be doing it and be able to say, hey, that's really great. I want to think about how I can do that. Love it. And one of the supportive arguments I've heard a couple of times is, hey, there was already a move really from CSO to CRO really from sales ops to revenue ops. I've seen places where both exist and that's interesting. Something I'm paying attention to is, are there still places that have sales enablement as a subset of revenue enablement? It's going to be interesting to see how all of that plays out and what that means to all of us, right? But when it comes down to it, it enablement is needed, whatever the yes. label. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think it's very legitimate that there are people whose job is sales enablement and it is a more narrow purview and that they can excel within that more narrow purview and that there are people who have revenue enablement and that ultimately that VP of enablement becomes much more inclusive. Now it's not just sales or not just partner or just CS, but it's everything blended. And I've talked about this for years, that power and even bringing in like, what is HR doing? All of this is the way that we move our employees forward. And mm. there needs to be some really good brain sharing across all of those levels. I think Love that it. as we continue to mature and evolve as a profession, we'll see a lot more of that. That's where I wanted to land was what's next? The enablement evolution, I assume, isn't over with one announcement, right? No. No. And, and one of the things just to frame it back to the founding positions, position number three was that the profession itself should evolve to basically a C-suite seat, 
Yes. And they said chief productivity officer. I just heard you say VP of enablement, which is interesting, which sounds like that could be a combination, if I heard you correctly, of a flavor of enablement called sales enablement and a flavor of enablement called revenue. So maybe that's a good place to land. What is the next step in the evolution? Maybe comment a little bit about what that C-suite role, if there is one, or if there's something else. Yeah, I think that the conversation in the space for a while has been, if you want to get to the C-suite, you have to be a CRO. And I don't know that it has to be true anymore. I think that we will see a chief revenue enablement officer within the next four or five years, if not sooner. Mm. In fact, I could probably name a couple of people that I think will, will end up with that title, because I think that there is a growing acknowledgement of the strategic place that that seat occupies that is different than sales leadership. It's different than wrap ups leadership. It has its own level playing field. And so I think we're going to see that. We're certainly seeing the rise of a lot more VPs in the space um, and VPs being on the same level, both title and salary with what we're seeing from VP of sales. And so all of those are really exciting, but I think the title is much less important than how do we evolve what it actually means the work we're doing. So the title is how people are seeing us. But for me and my passion is how are we seeing ourselves? How do mm. we define what we're doing so that whatever our title is, we know we're having the biggest impact, whether you are a support, support level, whether you're just coming in, whether you're VP level and everything in between, really having a clear understanding of how you can have an impact on those bottom line revenue metrics, how what you're doing ties back to revenue. And that goes back to measurement, but it's, it's more than just measuring it. It's understanding how that impact is, is felt and, and works with our organizations. And the more we learn that as revenue enablement professionals, the better we speak that language, the more opportunities we have in the C-suite, the more impact our work has, and the more, honestly, job satisfaction we have. And so I think the evolution for me is to continue to make sure that people have outlets to have good discussions with their community on a, a regional level, on a national level, on a Slack level, that they have those conversations and that those conversations can focus on what makes our strategy impactful. Yeah, we got to talk about the tactics, like how are we actually going to pull this thing off? But the more conversations we have about the strategy, the more that we speak that CRO, CEO language, the more likely we are to elevate our entire profession. Outstanding, Gail. I'll put my money on Chief Revenue Enablement Officer. I like uh, it. Eric, it's been a joy. I, I enjoy hanging out with you any day of the week. So thanks for bringing me in. Back at you, Gail. Excited to hear all that SKO brews up as well. Thank and, you. And Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. To become an insider and amplify your journey, please make sure you've subscribed to our show. You can do so at orchestratesales.com forward slash podcast.